Have you finished your personal statement yet? Now's the perfect time to get it professionally reviewed by a medical school HQ expert advisor. We have former directors of admissions, admissions officers, and the like on our small team of amazing people. They have the inside knowledge from reading thousands and thousands and thousands, tens, if not 100,000 personal statements going through the process and setting up the process for their whole committee. They know exactly what medical schools look for and the common red flags that can get your entire application thrown out. Take advantage of our flash sale right now, going through May 6th, up to 6,000 characters reviewed for just $150. That's a $75 discount on our regular price. Go to editmyps.com. Again, that's editmyps.com. If you're applying to medical school in 2022 to start medical school in 2023, join me Wednesday or Thursday, Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern, or Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern at premedworkshop.com. Go register today. I'm gonna show you how to tell your story in your application. Again, that's premedworkshop.com. If you are applying to medical school in 2022, be there or be square. The Premed Year, session number 375. Hello, and welcome to The Pre-Med Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. Welcome to The Pre-Med Years. Thank you so much for taking some time to join me today. I have an awesome guest. My guest today is someone that will resonate with many of you. The times that I've had moms on the podcast talking about their journey to medical school have been really popular episodes. And there are a lot of single moms out there. There are a lot of married moms out there with one kid, multiple kids who don't think they can go to medical school because they're moms. They don't think they can do it all. And our guest Kayla today is going to prove to you that you can may take some time. It'll take some communication with your spouse or significant other. But if this is what you want, you can do it. Kayla, welcome to the pre-med year. Thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I'm excited to hear your story, have you tell your story, and hopefully motivate some parents out there that are wanting to go on this journey to medical school. But I want to start with when you first realized you wanted to be a physician. The golden question, right? <laughs> um, you know, I look back at my high school years, and initially I wanted to be a psychiatrist. I, for some reason, was just really interested in mental health. I loved talking to people, I loved problem solving. So I thought, oh, I'll be a psychiatrist. Well, I, I was the only person in my family to even go to college. None of my family had ever graduated from college. So the idea of medical school, you know, as a kid, you always hear eight years. It was so intimidating and I really didn't have a lot of guidance in the area of education. So I was, I was just too intimidated by it. And I honestly didn't really like science at the time, or at least I thought <laughs> I didn't, yep. um, which is not, you know, normal for somebody who wants to go into medicine. So I decided to pursue a career in social work instead. Okay. 
And yeah, so, I mean, that was the initial, I guess the initial interest. But then once I got into social work and started working alongside doctors, um, first at a detox facility and then later in other avenues, it really started to carve out this interest for me in medicine. I, I was so fascinated with the way the medica- the doctor could take the medication and, and pair it with therapy. And we would see like these people that have been using drugs for years and years get clean and sober. And that's where the initial interest really started for me. Yeah. So I want to rewind because a lot of students that are in this situation, they, they don't have parents who are physicians, haven't gone to college, right? You're, you're the first person that's, that went to college in your family. How did you just wake up one day out of the blue and go, you know what? I want to be a psychiatrist. So where, where did that come from? I know it's so strange. I can't even pinpoint it. Cause I had no, nobody in medicine. I don't know if I saw a movie or what it was back then. I was, I mean, I was a kid. So, I mean, I, I guess I knew a few therapists, but I just thought, Oh, a psychiatrist, that would be so cool. Like it, it, I don't even know how much it was based in anything. That's why it was really my journey through social work that helped carve out that real interest because really back then it was just an idea. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So you you go on this path to college, become a social worker because you're like, well, I don't I don't know if I can be a doctor. I, I no one has ever done this. I don't know if I'm smart enough. I don't like science. Right. As you were going through that process as a as a college student, did you ever like, well, maybe I should try. Let me let me dip my toes in the water here. And did did you ever get a sense of of let me try and you got bad grades. You're like, okay, yep. That proves it. I'm not good enough. Or did you just never look back? You know, it wasn't bad grades. I always did well in school. And after I got my bachelor's in social work, I became a mother, a single, a single mother. And so there were so many times, Ryan, along the lines that I wished I could have gone back and and done it differently. But once I had my son, I just felt like, well, this isn't going to happen for me. I really didn't think you could be a parent and go to medical school. I didn't think I could have both. I even, you know, I, I even had thought about going back and then, you know, knew I couldn't. So I ended up getting my master's in social work too. Mm-hmm. And even after getting my master's, I had so many regrets, just like, why didn't I do it earlier? If I had just done it a few years ago, I'd be done by now. And it was more those types of t- regrets. It wasn't really academics or anything. It was just, it was being a single mom. I just felt like I was too old and I didn't have the time to commit to it. So you had the regret pretty early on. When, when you're like, oh, why yeah. haven't I gone back? I, I, I should be doing this. What was it like to, to show up to work every day knowing that you really weren't satisfied? It was, it's, heart, it's heartbreaking. It's really, really difficult. I love my career. Don't get me wrong. I really loved the people that I worked with. I mean, I, I, I was in so many different areas of social work, but I was growing just listless with it all in a way. I just, I I don't want to say depressed, but I just, I felt a little hopeless that I was just stuck in this career for the rest of my life that I wouldn't be totally satisfied with. It was so disheartening. What do you think it was that eventually pushed you over the edge to, to start exploring this possibility? So what happened was, I'll try to make a long story short. I don't want to go on forever, but I, I got married so that, you know, that I have a really supportive husband. We're really a team, but I, um, is this passion kind of kept growing and growing the more, you know, people I encountered and and physicians that I worked with, 
I have a physician friend. He actually has a podcast too, but he's up in Nashville, married to one of my friends. And I was up there and I never even really told that many people about this, you know, desire to go to medical school. And I was, he, I was running it by him and, and he gave me the encouragement I needed. He was just like, Oh, you can totally do this. Like, you're not too old. You can do it. You can make this commitment. We had moms in our class. And there was just something about the way he encouraged me that I was like, you know what? I like, I can do this. And so I got back and immediately enrolled in my, really my first science class ever, which was (laughs) intro to chemistry. I'd never taken a chemistry course, not even in high school. And I was like, well, I'll just kind of feel it out, see if I like it. And we'll go from there. And I, I fell in love with it. I can't explain it. I was like, I, I couldn't believe that I'd missed out on 30 years of this subject um, and, and just brushed it off as that I wouldn't like it because I loved it. And so that really got the ball rolling for me. Once I found out how much I loved sciences, then I became so obsessed with just finding other moms and other parents that went through this. And that's how I came upon your podcast. I was l- looking for any information I could. And that's how I found you and really... It's been this podcast ever since it's kept me going. So it's it's interesting. It took someone externally from you to go, you can do this. You're like, oh, okay. I guess I'll do it now. <laughs> to to really just <laughs> kick you in the butt. Oh, yes. It would took somebody, I think, with the knowledge. Like I didn't my husband would have been like, Yeah, you can do it. My parents would have been like, Yeah, you should do it. But hearing it from a physician, I was like, Oh, that just made all the difference. Yeah. And that's what I use this podcast for, right? I, I talk to to students like yourself. I, I talk about my experiences and I talk to other physicians about their experiences and really just to to paint this broad picture of there's there's no template of physician out there. Everyone looks differently. Everyone comes from different backgrounds. Everyone uh, just is is on their own journey. And and if this is what you want, then go do it. And finally, someone who was a physician who was in the place where you wanted to be was like, go do it. And you're like, okay, I guess I'll go do it. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's exactly it. Just go do it. And he said, you know, he said 10 years or eight years, four years, whatever amount of time is going to come and go regardless. Like yep. you might as well do something you love with that time. Yeah. And like, and that has been the truth. Every day I wake up and I'm just so grateful I'm on this journey. I mean, if I died today, I would be so happy that I spent these past two years just preparing for medical school. Yeah. It's been amazing. So how old was your child at this point when you decided to to start this journey? He would have been seven. It was two years ago. Okay. So a little bit more self-sufficient, probably a little bit easier. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess so. Sometimes I think, gosh, when they're a baby, they they don't really, they need you to like, uh, you know, be there physically, but they don't need you to like play with them as much. I don't know. I guess it's hard both ways. It is hard both ways. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Um, what was the conversation like with your husband to say, Hey honey, like I want to go, um, spend lots of money and stop working and be gone a lot because I have to study to, to go hopefully realize this dream. You know, my I'm so fortunate. He didn't even give it a second thought. He was like, oh my God, yeah, like you should definitely do it. I, I think he just has so much, um, he really believes in me and he wants to support me in whatever I do. And he, um, so he was nothing but supportive. Honestly, I was really lucky. Yeah, that's awesome. That's well, a big life change. Yeah. What was the hardest thing about going back and, and becoming a student again? I think the hardest thing for me because I've, I've 
endlessly curious, kind of a lifelong learner. So school doesn't bother me. I think the biggest struggle sometimes can kind of be the isolation of it all. Like I work, you know, a pretty demanding job and nobody there knows I go to three hours of class at night and my lab partner in class doesn't know I had a nine hour day (laughs) at work. And you know, my friends don't understand why I have to study and I can't do things. So sometimes it's just, it doesn't really feel like anybody actually understands the journey that you're on yeah. and what your day is like. Yeah. Why didn't you tell anybody what you were up to? Well, initially in the beginning, I mean, now, now people know for the most part, almost everybody knows in the beginning, I was nervous that it wouldn't work out. So I was too scared to tell people because I was afraid I would have to tell them like that I quit. Um, so maybe the first three, four or five months, nobody really knew. And then I started slowly telling friends. Now everybody knows. I mean, my job knows I'm going to be gone at the end of the year. And yeah. Um, yeah. I think so just a little bit of fear, fear, fear of failure and, and showing yeah. up going with your with head down tail between your, your legs going, I, uh, yeah, I, I quit. I'm, I'm not cut out for this after all. <laughs> exactly. The last thing you want to do is tell everyone at your job, like I'm out of this place only to not. <laughs> peace out you guys aren't good enough for me just kidding yeah exactly yeah, yeah did you back. did you get any pushback from people like well you went to school right you have your master's your your msw your master's of social work and like why why isn't that enough uh, a lot of nurses get this pushback uh when they go on and want to go to medical school did you get any sort of pushback and and kind of rejection to be like well i guess you you don't, don't think we're good enough. So I was kind of surprised. Um, first, because a lot of people had said they had heard me talk about it before. They said, oh, you always said you wanted to be a psychiatrist. And I honestly didn't realize I had told that many people. <laughs> um, so I was okay. Um, I had some friends that were like, do you really think you're smart enough to do all that? And that was a little offensive. Um, most people are really supportive. Honestly, my physician was like, well, don't, don't be upset if you don't get, get accepted the first few cycles. Like I didn't get accepted for the first few cycles. And I think that was about the worst, um, the worst support, just that, that like you might not get accepted for a few cycles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's definitely because you're looking for motivation and, and encouragement and someone's like, well, you'll probably fail, but <laughs> keep going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think people are trying to, to help in that situation with that sort of message. But in the end, that's not very helpful. Yeah. I'm sure she just was like, don't feel bad. If you don't get accepted, she don't want me to feel bad, but yeah, it kind of sets you up to believe that you you're wasting all this money on an application cycle that you're not going to get ex- ultimately not get accepted to. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So when it came to classes, how did you, after not taking any science classes really for the most part, how did you ultimately succeed in those classes to be able to, to ultimately get an acceptance to medical school? I'll tell you, I had to change everything about the way I studied. I, I've al- I always did well in college. I never had to study that hard. It kind of came naturally, but with the science, it was just a whole different language. I found that pre-reading, you would think that would be a really like not a novel idea, but I had never pre-read before a lecture in my life. Pre-reading, it was amazing. I learned to do that. That really helped me study um, really well, flashcards. Um, and honestly, 
setting aside, just really setting aside the time to do it. I had just, I had never really studied like that before. So, mm. and I've also had to learn to be flexible. I've, you know, each subject has kind of required me to study a little bit differently. So being open to changing my methods, but I think that pre-reading has been huge. Just understand having somewhat of an understanding of the lecture before you go in. What do you mean by pre-reading? Somebody listening to this might go, I, I've never heard of that term. What is it? It sounds like you're just doing extra work. What, what do you mean by that? So I go in and I either read the chapter or at least scan the chapter before the lecture. That way, when I go into the lecture, it's not new information that I'm having to spend time thinking about. It's already making a little bit of sense to me and my brain can focus on building on that and making different connections. I found for me, it usually takes at least three times going through the material for it to really stick. So I take that as the pre-read, then the lecture. And then after the lecture, I usually, during the lecture, I write down question marks on the different topics that I have uh, questions about. And then, then after the lecture, I go and I go through my notes and answer those questions. And that's my third time through the material. And mm. after that, it usually sticks pretty well. Nice. Okay. When it yeah. came to applying and, and trying to figure out how to get across to the medical school admissions committees, were or how concerned were you to to tell the story of I I didn't know I wanted to be a physician at first, but now I really know, and I really don't want to be a social worker anymore, and I really want to be a physician. How how did you navigate that barrier of really talking about why you're changing careers and why now? So, you know, your book helped me a lot on the personal statement. I remember you had said, and you've said it in the podcast too, about never bashing your former career. Yeah. And fortunately, I had a wonderful former career, even though it is tempting to tell all the reasons you don't like it. I really tried to focus on that my career was um, pretty much an amazing opportunity that only strengthened me now to be as a future physician, only added to my skill set. Mm. And um, I really focused on as a social worker, it's not that I wanted to get away from social work, but I grew, my desire grew to provide a greater depth of care to my patients that I, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs that I was helping them meet kind of these higher tier needs. And meanwhile, their basic healthcare needs weren't met. And that's where I found my desire to help the most. And so I really tried to focus on that. Not that I wanted to get out of social work, but that I really wanted to deepen the way that I could provide care to the people to really underserved populations in particular, but people, you know, in general. Yeah. That's awesome. And that, that's, that's exactly right. The way that I, I talk about it in the book and on podcasts and stuff is, is what, what are you adding to, or wh really what is, what is medicine calling you for and not necessarily why you want to leave social work. So that's definitely right. great. And did, did that story, did, did that conversation come up at all in your interviews to, to have that question of like, Hey, like you're, you're a social worker, you're a mom, you, like you're older, like why leave? Like just keep doing what you're doing. Oh yeah, it definitely did. Especially, um, I've had two interviews so far. I still have one more, but in my first interview in, in particular, there were two two different interviewees. And the second one really honed in on that. He really wanted to know why I wanted to switch careers, which I understand. You want to make sure people aren't career hopping and they want to get into it for the right reasons. Yeah, It's a big commitment. It's huge. Yeah. And how old are you at this point? I'm 33. Okay. 
So a little bit older, you got a kid, just the one, one son right now. Yep. Just the one. Okay. All right. That's all for us. Yeah. So there, the, the one thing we skipped over going from classes to applications is this small little thing called the MCAT. What was that like for you? Oh my gosh. If I could give anybody any piece of advice, it would be to listen to your advice on the MCAT. <laughs> I, I think you had said, don't study from, you don't want to self-study for more than one subject. I took the MCAT and I had not finished bio two, organic two, physics two, oh. or biochem. Oh. I self-studied for, yeah. Oh. <laughs> I mean, I, I did okay. I got a 507. So mm, I could have done so much better though. Um, and I also took it while taking two, or I also studied for it while taking two classes at the time. So, mm. you know, I should have waited a year in hindsight, I should have waited a year to take it, but it is what it is. I wish I would have listened to your advice because now that I'm taking those classes or have taken those classes, I see that I would have been much better prepared for it. <laughs> like, oh, I remember a question like this on the MCAT. Oh, that's what they were asking for. <laughs> Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's a lot. Study all this. No big deal. So yeah. stupid. Yeah. That is a lot. Yeah. And that a lot of students do okay self-studying. They, they go and going, okay, well, I'm just, I'm going to read the Kaplan books or next step books or whatever books. And, and they have all of the content that I need to know. And so I'll just, I'll do that. But when you see it, as you mentioned, right, when you pre-read lecture and then, and then more studying after that three times for the material to sink in versus looking at it for the first time while you're studying for the MCAT and also trying to learn the MCAT is, is a lot to ask for, especially that many subjects. It was a lot. And it's a lot when you're you know, a kid and you're taking two classes and you're working full-time. I just kept thinking most people, this is their full-time job studying for the MCAT. And mm-hmm. I was trying to have to cram it in on weekends. I mean, I wouldn't recommend it to anybody. I would say take your courses first, but... Yeah. It is what it is. I came out with a decent score. I mean, I just, I wish I would have done a little bit better with it. I think it kept me in, kept me from getting into some of the schools I ultimately wanted to go to. Yeah. Yeah. But a 507 is a really good score. So it ultimately uh, did you well. As you were going through this process, a lot of parents, moms, probably more than dads, have a lot of mom guilt. Uh, I, I have to go and study. I have to take my classes. I have to do all of this. I have to work on my personal statement. What was that like for you to be spending so much time doing all of this stuff for your future career and, and missing time with your child and with your husband? It's definitely been a, a learning experience. And, you know, we've kind of figured out a better schedule as we go. Cause in the beginning, I mean, it was really overwhelming. I felt like I wasn't getting any, I was just spread so thin that I wasn't giving the best of myself to anything. But as we've gone on, I've just really found that it's, it's so important in those moments of guilt. I just try to remind myself that it's, he can look back on this someday and he, hopefully it inspires him, you know, that he can chase his dream at any point in his life, that he can, you know, reach whatever goal. If he works hard enough, even if he's made mistakes and he's had setbacks and failures, he can say, you know, my, my mom did this. That's what I try to do is I try to reframe it. And what I also try to do is just to make sure that our family time is really quality time. So you know, I, I leave certain, certain designated times for studying and then certain designated times for study time, um, for family time. And then I just, I also just try to pair things together. 
like when he does homework, I do homework, or if he's doing 30 minutes of reading, I'll do 30 minutes of reading. Um, that way I can just make the most of the time that we have together. Yeah. Definitely setting a good example. And I've I've talked to enough people at this point, whether they're on their their path to, to medical school or other entrepreneurs, that having kids actually makes them more productive because they are so much more focused. And they're like, okay, uh, versus a, a traditional student who's in college and doesn't have any kids and no other responsibilities, they'll be studying and be on their phone and surfing the internet versus you where you're like, okay, I have this block of time. I need to get this much accomplished and you get it done. Definitely. And if I can recommend to anybody out there that would be listening is I kind of use an altered version of the Pomodoro method where mm-hmm. your study time is uninterrupted, like no cell phones, no Apple watches, notifications off because you really should, like can make the most of that time with no distractions and you are more productive in that time. And yeah, I think being a parent does help with that because you know that you don't have any extra time um, to be tending to all those distractions, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Do you think you made any mistakes along the way, specifically with the application? Well, besides my MCAT situation, um, with the application, yeah, I do. I, if I look back on it, I wish, I, I think that I got so ready for it to be done with because I really underestimated how time consuming, particularly the secondaries were. I wish I would have pre-written some of my secondaries. <laughs> I didn't pre-write them. Secondaryapps.com. Oh, I know. <laughs> I kept thinking, oh, what if they change? I don't want to, I don't want to like write all these essays, but they don't change. They're the same every year. For the most part. Yep. Um, I know. I wish I would have used that more because I didn't pre-write them. And so I was so over it, you know, just ready for that secondary cycle to be over with or secondary apps to be over with that I felt like I I didn't check them enough if that makes sense. Like I went back even my AMCAS application, I went back in after I submitted it and I found so many silly typos. And I thought, well that's gonna, you know, that's gonna ding me. Silly things like that. Mm. Um I wish I would have done a little I wish I would have used your service for the um the extracurriculars as well. I think I could have done a a lot better and had a lot stronger section if I had somebody helping me out with that better ways to word things. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, uh, go back. I would have invested on that for sure. Yeah. It obviously paid off. You, you got some interviews. What was it like to get that first interview invite? Oh my gosh. I, it was unbelievable because I applied in June. I applied really early and I didn't get an interview invite until mid-September. So it was a really long, it was felt like a very long wait. Yeah. And it's like every email dang, you know, you're checking and then <laughs> all of a sudden, all of a sudden it's just like a regular Tuesday or whatever it was. And to see that, I I could have just jumped out of my skin with excitement because two years ago it just never felt like a reality. It just it felt so far away that the idea of getting an interview invite or if I'd even get one. I I mean the joy is indescribable. It's, it was so worth it. It, yeah. it felt really, really good. Yeah. Yeah. And with, with your MCAT score, right? 507 is good score, but not amazing out of this park. It, mm-hmm. It's, it's pretty standard time to start getting interview invites around that time. 
especially oh, applying early. Yeah, like, just because a lot of schools will will take all of their applications and then they'll they'll sort them right from highest MCAT score GPA to lowest, and and right around September it seems like is when the five hundred sevens, five hundred eights start to start to get those interview invites once they start looking at the, the the rest of your application. What was your GPA when you applied? It was pretty strong. I had, I think it was a 3.95 okay. somewhere in there. Solid GPA. Yeah, it was solid. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Um, having a husband who I'm assuming has his own career, having a child who is uh, integrated into the community, into the schools, has friends, what was it like to, to have the conversation around where you were going to apply to medical school? So I made that decision and my husband and I together, luckily he's in a career he can do pretty much anywhere. So he was very open in the adventure, Mm -hmm. but I really tried to focus on applying where we had family. So that was basically, luckily the states I applied have a lot of schools, Ohio, New York, and Florida. That way we knew we had a support system close by. Um, And also that way it would be a state that we could potentially stay in if I got a residency there that we'd like to live in. Mm -hmm. Um, so he, and he, my husband was open to both of those and, or all of those states with my son, I've really tried to focus on all the positives of the move. You know, what an adventure it'll be, all the new friends he'll get to meet, the different things that the states have that will be closer to family. And he's gotten excited too. Luckily he's a pretty go with the flow kid. I, um, I know that he's gonna, he, his dad, his, you know, bi- biological dad lives in Florida and he's, got terminal cancer. So that's the one Mm. thing that's, you know, going to be a challenge for us is we're really going to have to make certain that we get back to Florida pretty frequently for them to see each other. Um, that's going to be one thing that's tough, you know, yeah, we got to make sure an easy plane ride away or a pretty easy drive away. Yeah. What was that conversation around, uh, because I'm sure others are in a situation as well around you who uh, I'm assuming has custody uh, to to have that conversation with with your son's dad about wanting to move out of the state. Yeah, you know, it's tough. It's 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 um, it's brain cancer. So I don't know how sometimes I'm not sure how cognizant and not that mm. he's not cognizant, but I don't know if he really ca- totally understand sometimes, you know, what we're trying to say or what we're doing. Um, but you know, we have a really good relationship. He and I do, we always have. And so I I really respect his opinion in it and what he, what he thinks about it. And, you know, I was just, I've been honest with him since I've been back in school. So he knew it was coming. Um, and we've just made sure to tell him that we're going to make it back, whether it be at least twice a month if we're, you know, a plane right away or every weekend if we're in with, within Florida, mm-hmm. because the school I am, ex- I still have an interview, but the school I did get accepted at is only about an hour and a half away from where we are now. So nice. we could come back easily two or three times a month. And he's really supportive of that. He understands they Skype a lot too. So Good. that's helpful. Yeah, definitely. What was it like to, to get that acceptance? Oh my gosh, that was unbelievable too. I couldn't, it's just, I honestly thought I bombed the interview, which I'm sure a lot of people do. So I was really (laughs) surprised to get the acceptance because I walked out of there kind of hard on myself about it. I didn't think I did very well. (laughs) Welcome to being a type A pre-med student. (laughs) I know. I was like, I couldn't believe it. And then the school, one of my other schools, I thought I did really well in the interview. I got waitlisted at. You just never know. You really just never know how you do and like how you're, you know, stacking up against other interviewees, I guess, because I don't know. I would have thought I did better in the other one, but the acceptance felt 
amazing. I mean, just amazing. I, I, it's, it was everything I'd imagined, you know, these past two years, I kept kind of having in my mind what it would feel like and, you know, what I would be doing or who I'd be with, you know, you kind of fantasize about these things and it's just everything I could have imagined. It's a dream come true. I just, I can't wait to get to medical school now. Yeah. Is psychiatry still in the cards? Are you open-minded about kind of the whole journey and you'll figure it out as you go? You know, what's so funny is after being a social worker, I don't even want to be a psychiatrist anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. okay. I think I've, yeah, it's, I think I've gotten so used to kind of the chaos of social work and working with diverse populations and different um, kind of crazy scenarios that I think I'd like something a little like maybe emergency med- medicine, you know, I like mm-hmm. the, a lot of novelty. I like a lot of action, but I'm trying to go into it really open-minded and I'll see in the rotations what I end up being interest, most interested in. Yeah. What are you most concerned about going in as a wife, as a mom, as in this non-traditional student? What are you most concerned about when you start medical school? I think what I'm most concerned about is just time, you know, having time with my son. Mm-hmm. That's the biggest thing I worry about as I'm I just hope that I can be there for him and be as supportive as I have been over the past two years, because I know that it's going to be a lot more demanding. I also know that at least my focus won't be spread so thin between work and school. That'll be nice. Um, But I think it's just that having, having the time with him that I really want, I never want him to feel left out or like I, that that he, I don't want him to ever feel like he's not the most important thing in my life because he is. Yeah. So I worry about that sometimes. Well, the good thing is you have complete control around that narrative other than just time. You just, as, as I had that conversation a long time ago with the the marriage and family therapist is all just communicate, communicate, communicate. Yeah. We're big communicators in this household. That's good. That, That will help. So Kayla, as we wrap up here for the, the single mom listening to this for the, for the non-traditional parent listening to this, what words of wisdom do you have for them as they are thinking about embarking on this journey or, or struggling on this journey? So, I mean, I think a few things, I think the first is if you want it bad enough, you can do it. You know, it's, it's difficult, especially if, like for, for me and for non-traditional students where you don't have a, like a school counselor per se, you have to be pretty scrappy and, re- and resourceful and just look up information and ask for help anywhere you can get it, whether it be the podcast, the, the websites, just find out what you need to do. And if you want it bad enough, you can do it. You just have to be resourceful enough. And then the other thing is, is I know that it can get overwhelming at times. And what's helped me stay really energized and really focused is just every day setting a small goal that help to accomplish that made me feel like I was, how am I trying to say it? Like sometimes when you're in the thick of like physics and the math and, and some of the sciences, you forget why you're doing what you're doing. And so every day I would try to do something that reminded me why I was doing what I was doing, whether it be, if I'm in physics, you know, I would remind myself, like, I need this to take the MCAT to get to medical school. I would just try to tie it to that greater goal because it's easy to lose sight of what you're doing. If you're not shadowing at the moment and if mm. you know, you're stuck in classes all day long. So try to do something every day that reminds you of why you're doing it. That really helped me. And then the other thing is just 
practicing a lot of gratitude because it's easy to complain, I think, when you get overwhelmed. And I just try to remember to stay really grateful for having this opportunity. Um, so I think those are the three things like do it, be resourceful, be grateful, and be goal oriented. That's what's gotten me through it. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Remembering your why is a huge, a huge thing that I love to talk about. And then I, I love that grateful side of it. I've, I've done a, a few posts on social media about, right, that you, you don't have to study for the MCAT. You get to, uh, you, you exactly. get to, to do this. And um, a lot of people really don't understand that. But I'm glad now that you're on the other side, at least having an acceptance other side of kind of the pre-med journey and applications and MCAT, you can, you can really see that and can hold on to that and, and uh, recommend it. So that's awesome. Helps keep you excited. Yes. So much. Well, Kayla, thank you for joining us and, and hopefully uh, encouraging the next uh, set of pre-med moms out there and pre-med dads out there to, to go on their journey to medical school. Well, thank you for having me. You, and thank you for everything. You've been such an amazing help. I, I honestly would have never gotten to this point if it wasn't for your podcast. All right. There you have it. Congratulations to Kayla for her success on her journey to medical school, having obviously a great GPA, good MCAT score, even though she had to self-study all of those subjects, which I definitely don't recommend. But if you are looking for some more motivation, maybe this is the first time you've listened to this podcast Kayla had told you right at the very end. She's like, thank you for the podcast. Go back, listen to all of the podcasts. Don't just look at the titles, listen to them all. It'll take you a little while. Go back and you'll get a lot of motivation from the episodes, a lot of encouragement and a lot of information that will help you on your journey. And hopefully you won't make some of the mistakes that maybe Kayla made because she didn't want to listen to my advice, like pre-writing secondary essays, which you can find at secondaryapps.com. I hope you have a great week. We'll see you next time here on The Pre-Med Years. This is MedEd Media.